0: If you've got a Bible with you, I want you to look at a couple of scriptures with me. We'll start in the book of Genesis and just go through the whole thing. Y'all do do know who my grandpa is, right? The off switch is something our family just has a hard time finding sometimes. That's all right too. In the book of Genesis chapter 13, Brother Keith's already talked about the life of faith that Abraham lived. And I want to pick back up on that. And I want you to notice something. Simple instruction that God gave him in verse 14. He's talking to Abram. He was still Abram at this point. In Genesis 13, 14, it says, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, notice what he said, lift up your eyes now, and look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward and westward, westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Look again at his instructions to him here. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Notice how simple this instruction is. Look at it. Can you see it with me? Lift up. Everybody say lift Lift up. Yeah. And look from. Say look from. <laughs> lift up and look from. This is God's instruction to his man. He led him out, I guess to the side of this hill, this mountain, this cliff, wherever it was. He said, okay, now that you've separated from Lot, and we won't take time to get into all that, but there was strife there between Abram's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. And Abram said, let there be no strife between us. It's interesting how clearly you can hear from God when the strife's gone. When the door has been closed on strife and now all of a sudden God can begin to speak to this man, but he's speaking to him specifically about his future. And he leads him out to this place and he says, Abram, do two things for me. What were the two things? Help me out. What was it? Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Lift up, look from. That's what I am going to talk to you about tonight for a few minutes. Lift up and look from lifting up your eyes and looking from the place you are is vastly different than letting down your eyes and looking at the place you are. This is where most people are living right here with their eyes, let down, looking at not lifting up, looking from letting down, looking at people get addicted to what's going on in the here and now as a matter of fact you could ask somebody tell me about your life a lot of people you don't even have to ask they just out with it. Here comes information about who they are and what they are and where they're at and what they've got and mostly what they don't got and what they wish they had. And it's just this three foot little drama circle that people just live in their whole lives right here. And and, and if you ask somebody, tell me about your life right now, tell me about what's going on in you right now, your life, your family, your job, your finances, whatever. People can talk to you with great detail and they do about what's going on right now. But then when you say, okay, now describe your future to me. Tell me about the future. People don't talk with great detail. They don't talk with great confidence about, wh- about the future, about where we're headed. Why? They've never been there. Can't see it yet. Do you realize how much faith it takes To be obedient to this simple instruction to lift up and look from. That requires faith. Why? Because it requires you and I to disconnect and unhook from what you can see in the natural and start seeing with a different set of eyes. That's why God had to speak to this man and say, lift up and look from, not down and at, up and from. And if you don't if you don't like where you're at right now, if you don't like the present position, the current condition, that's all right. Don't look at this place. Look from this place. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. It's like being up high on something somewhere and you can look at I can see my house from here. You know, when you get out above stuff. When you get out above everything that's been blocking your view and standing in your way, man, it opens up this whole new field of vision to you. Well, that's the way you and I need to be concerning our future. This should be one of those things that differentiate us from everybody else in the world. When when everybody else is limited to what they can talk about with great certainty being the here and now, you and I ought to be able to talk about with confidence and certainty our future. Now, maybe you don't know and maybe you can't describe every single detail of it, but you are confident in this one thing that it is good. It is bright. It is the favor of God out there for me. It's the mercy of whatever the future is. Mercy's in it. Grace is in it. (laughs) The goodness of God is in my future. And you can talk about your future with confidence, but it requires these two steps right here. Lift up. Look from, lift up, look from like those old cheesy workout videos. Come on, ladies, we can do it. Lift up, look from, say it with me, everybody lift up, look from. It's a simple instruction. It's kind of like laying up and laying hold, right? Lift up and what? Look from, not at, not down and at, but what? Up and from the place where you are. Now look at with me, the book of Proverbs chapter 29, it takes faith to lift up and to look from. Again, because you've got to disconnect from what's seen naturally. You got to disconnect from the sense realm, your sight, your, your feelings. It requires living life with a different set of eyes, seeing things with a different set of eyes. What I'm talking to you about tonight is vision is living with vision, but not just living with it. And and I, and you'll have to forgive me. I don't know that this is the best way to say it, but it's just what keeps coming to me. It's being driven by it. There's a balance. No, that's not the right word either. You and I must be spirit led in our lives, led by the spirit of God. If we're led by the spirit of God, we will always be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing with the right people. That's a confession that Sarah and I lead our kids in nearly every single night. When it's bedtime and we get together, we set our eyes on the word, we pray together. And nearly every prayer, is ended in our house with this right here. Father, by your grace, by your help, and by the leadership of your spirit, Justice, Jesse, this whole family, we will always be, and the kids say it with us, in the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. And we're putting something in the kids right now. Because I realize even though they're... Justice, he's almost nine. In just a few days, he'll be nine years old. Jesse's five. She'll be six this summer. At nine and six, they're not away from us a whole lot. They're at school or they're at home. That's just about it. But I realize teenage years are coming. (laughs) Fight it as hard as I tried. They're coming, man. They are coming. And I'm fully aware that there will be a time in our children's lives where they're not just right here. 24 seven. So I'm putting something in them now. Sarah and I are putting something in them now. And that is, look, guys, listen, if you're ever out and you're away from mom and dad, here's what I want you to do. Just stop real quick and ask yourself these four questions. It'll take you just a second. Just ask yourself, Justice, listen to me. If you're away from dad, just ask yourself, okay, is this the right place? Am I in the right place? Is this the time that I'm supposed to be here? Am I doing the right thing? And I said, look around you. The people that are around you, are these the right people? Just go through those questions real quick. Is this the right place? Is this the right time? Am I doing the right thing? Are these the right people? And I said, listen, guys, if the answers ever no, come home. Just come home. We'll we'll start over. Come home. I mean, how many young people have been hurt or what's worse, lives lost just simply by being in the wrong place at the wrong time? doing the wrong thing with the wrong people. But you and I realize that to live life always in the right place at the right time, right thing, right people, that requires being led all the time by his spirit, all the time. But in connection to being spirit led, I wanna add this element to it, being vision driven. I'm talking to you about motivation and seeing in your future what God sees for your future. In the book of Proverbs chapter 29, you've heard this before concerning vision. It says in verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Look at it from the new King James Bible. It says where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. It's interesting to me when you start studying scripture and and looking at words, especially when one word from that original language gets translated a bunch of different ways, you, you start to understand how limited our language is. And sometimes it takes these different translations for you and I to see everything that was just jam packed inside that one word. When he said there, where there is no vision, what else was in that word was this, this idea, this concept of revelation. What is revelation? It's the light coming on. It's the cover coming off. It's you and I seeing what was there all along. That's what revelation is. When revelation of the word takes place in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit doing what only the Holy Spirit can do. And that's flip that switch on the inside of you, on the inside of me. And that light comes on and you see something that's been there the whole time. That's what revelation is. But notice this connection between revelation and vision concerning the future. Now, again, I know, I I know that for you and I, this moment right now is the latest that any of us have ever lived. But that's why getting vision from God, getting vision from His Word, getting vision from His Spirit is so powerful because He inhabits eternity. Wrap your brain around this thought right here. He's as much in tomorrow as He is in today right now. He's there right now. I thought he was here right now. Yes, (laughs) but he's there right now. Uh huh. And here right now, you got it. (laughs) He inhabits eternity. And so when vision comes, the cross reference here says prophetic vision. When the word of the Lord comes out of somebody concerning the future saying, this is what will be. This is what it will look like. This is how it will happen. This is somebody seeing what God sees. It's vision. Does that make sense to you? It's vision. Now, when it comes to vision, I believe there are two main elements, especially vision from God. Two main things we have to look at. Number one, understanding that vision from God is you seeing what he sees. I know the Lord helped me see this one time really clearly. Sarah and I had taken the kids to Sarasota for, um, I guess it was a greater faith conference. We were down there in February one year. This has been several years ago and we attended church. We went to the conference Monday through Friday, but no service Saturday. So we decided we're going to make the drive from Sarasota the two hour drive up to Orlando and go to the Magic Kingdom. Anybody ever been to the Magic Kingdom before? And it's truly a, truly a magical place, isn't it? I mean, the magic is really in come here, spend all your money, walk around all day, sweat, get rained on, spend all your money. Did I mention that one before? Spend hours and hours, sun up to sun dark to sundown then you leave and go home. And a few months later, this is when the magic kicks in. When you go, we should do that again. (laughs) That's magic. (laughs) We decided we were going to go up to go up to Disney world and spend the day up there with the kids. And we did that. I mean, we went and it was early that morning. We stayed all day. If you've been before, you know, you're not allowed to leave at night until after you've seen the parade. Does anybody know this? There's a Main Street parade. Usually, I guess it's around nine o'clock at night. So we're tired. We want to go home, but we've got to stay and see this parade. We're not like the hardcore people that get to the nine o'clock parade at 6.30 for the good seat. So we show up a few minutes before it starts and there is nowhere to sit, nowhere to stand. Main Street is lined with people. So we end up about, I don't know, six or eight rows deep in this crowd of people. Now our kids, they're, they're young and small now, but they were even much smaller a few years ago. Jesse's down here, Justice is about here. And I think sometimes we forget what that was like. Stuff was in your way all the time. You don't remember that, I don't remember that. But think back on it, you just being the shortest thing in the room all the time. And your view was like kneecaps. That was what you saw at all times. And we're buried deep in this crowd. And this parade's about to start with my kids way down here. Help me out. If they're going to see anything, what's going to have to happen? Daddy is going to have to reach down, lift these two guys up. We've got great pictures of this, by the way. I've got Justice in this arm, Jesse in this arm. And even if it's just for a few minutes during this parade, they have been lifted up above everything that just a moment ago was blocking their view. And now even if it's just for a few moments, they are at daddy's eye level. Now they are seeing what I see. Right? So the parade starts, lights go down, all the main lights and then all these laser lights come on and the music's big and it's bright and it's loud and lights are flashing and out of nowhere people are dancing and it's the brightest colors you've ever seen. The loudest music you've ever heard. They've got bubbles flying through the air and it, and for a little one, especially Jessie, she'd never seen this before. This is like sensory overload. Right? Justice is watching this whole thing. His eyes are like saucers. He's taking this all in. Jesse's watching the whole thing. And at one point she buries her head in my chest. Why? It's too much. It's too much. Now she's looking down this and it's, it's borderline making her afraid. Why? She's never seen this before. For all she knows, that's an actual six foot mouse in a top hat and cane (laughs) tap dancing right at her. What do you do with that? You're three years old. How do you process that? She's never seen any of this. Now what's the difference? She's seeing what I see, but I'm not afraid. I'm looking at that. I see a starving college kid in a mouse costume. There's nothing to be afraid of here. You see, vision's two parts. It's not just seeing what he sees, it's seeing how he sees it. And that was the difference. We were looking at the same thing, but it, it sparked a different response in her than it did in me, just simply because we saw it in a different way. Vision is seeing what God sees and how God sees it. And I am fully convinced that there comes a time in the life of every single believer, every child of God, that your father in mind reaches down, picks us up, lifts us up above everything that's been blocking vision, that's been in your way, that you couldn't see over, that you couldn't see around. And in a moment of time, your gracious, kind, heavenly father lifts you up above all that stuff and says, now look at what I'm seeing. This is how I'm seeing you. This is what I see for the future. Now, every one of us are going to have that. If you haven't already, it's coming. You will have the opportunity and your father is faithful and he will show you what he sees concerning you, your life, your family and your future. But The difference is, will you run towards it in faith or away from it in fear. It's not just seeing what he sees, it's seeing how he sees it. Jesse, we've been back to Disney, I don't know, a couple of times since then and that same parade that was, I don't know, overwhelming to her. Now she loves it, right? Now she just stands there, takes it all in, thinks it's great, has a great time, enjoys the whole thing. What happened? What took place between the first time she saw it and just, I don't know, a year or two later that it just brought this totally different response? You want to know what happened? Nothing. She just kept living. She just kept growing. She just kept, for the sake of this illustration, just getting older, understanding things. It didn't take me sitting down and explaining all that. And I could have, sure, but she just... Kept going. Living with vision is a choice. A lot of people say, well, I'm not, I'm just really not a visionary person. When God gives you vision and he will, it's a choice whether or not you're going to live with it. And people look at it. And one of the big reasons anybody would live, choose to live without vision is fear because it's like Jesse looking at this, all this stuff that's just big and it's bright and it's definitely bigger than her and it's bigger than anything she's ever seen. And it brought fear up a little bit in her. Well, there are a lot of people that get a glimpse of what God's called them to do and who God's created them to be. And they look at that and they look at where they are, eyes down, looking at the place. Then they look at that and then back down here and they think, how in the world am I ever going to get from here to there? How am I going to get from this to that? And they look, they look at the vision and it just looks too expansive. It just looks too expensive. And they make the choice to live without vision because of how much it seemingly costs. But do you want to know where the highest cost is? The highest price is paid in living without it. That's a higher price. Without vision, people perish. But I like this translation, without vision, without revelation, people cast off restraint. That's an interesting translation of that, isn't it? They cast off restraint. I want you to think about it in these terms. Vision will create boundaries right, yes. for you and I to live in. That's right. one, of the, uh, one of the ways that I guess you could say Sarah and I have come to, to really be confident that we're hearing from the Lord on something is when we, we get something in our heart. And we look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's way too big for us to reach in our pocket and meet the need of. That's got to be God. <laughs> that's, that's a really good indicator you're hearing from him but one of the reasons people run from vision instead of to it is because vision creates a need. See, we've got it in our head, I think somehow that we were pressing towards this place where there was no more need. But if you got no more need, then you've got no more vision. Vision creates need. Vision creates a need and Almost every time, if not every time, the need it creates is far bigger than what you or I have the ability to reach into our pocket, our account and meet the need of. So that need is going to require faith in the one who supplies the need according to his riches and glory. That's a big reason people live without it. One of the key indicators, I believe, that you're hearing from God and getting a glimpse of the vision is that you begin to see the boundaries that he's called you to live within. That's right. Now, when I say this word boundaries, I do not want you to think limitation. That's not what I'm talking about. But there are boundaries that come with the vision. When God spoke to Joshua after Moses had died, in Joshua chapter one, he said to him, Moses, my servant is dead. <laughs> That's quite a bedside manner, isn't it? <laughs> Moses, my servant is dead. You're up. And he told him, he said, you going to take these people. You're going to lead them. He made a promise to him, I guess, in verse five. It's one that we love, man. You know this promise, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I've given you. That's a big promise. And as people who are word people, promise people, faith people, man, we like that one. And we just want to start stomping on everything. And I'll take that. And I'll take the neighbor's car. And you know, you just walking all over everything. sole of my foot, baby. I'm going to tread here and this is mine. But you go back and you look at what God said to Joshua. He said, every place the sole of your foot will tread. I've given you from this river to this wilderness, to this sea. Somebody help me out. What are, what are those? Boundaries. boundaries. In other words, here's your assignment right here. Now within these boundaries, You are unlimited. You you and I are unlimited. The amount of success and the amount of prosperity and the amount of abundant life that we can enjoy inside those boundaries, we are unlimited. You wanna experience real limitation? Get outside those boundaries. Get outside of the place where the vision's telling you to go, outside of the call, outside of the grace, outside of the anointing. This is where limitation exists. Within the boundaries created by a vision from God, there is unlimited prosperity available to us. We've got to learn to identify where these boundaries are. So some of what's been happening in our lives, I feel like the Lord for the last 10 years has been showing us what he sees. And it has taken, I would say this long for us to begin to see not only what he sees, but how he sees it and he has been lifting up our eyes and we have been looking from the place where we were. That's what the scripture calls it. The psalmist said, you are the glory and the lifter of my head. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And this has been happening in our lives. I would say for the last 10 years, And and Sarah's going to come in just a minute, but I want you just to jump in, babe. I got to tell you guys, this is the first time we've shared some of these things publicly like this. So believe with me that it all comes out right. And, And if I miss something, I want you to jump in and whatever's on your heart, just run up here and I want you to say it. But the night before Thanksgiving, 2009, it's almost 10 years ago, she and I were at that time youth pastors serving my parents, George and Terry Pearsons at Eagle Mountain International Church. Uh, I'd been youth pastoring for like four years when we met and got married. And then she moved to Texas after we got married and we youth pastored together for a couple of years. And uh, I think it was that time, maybe just before that we had, transitioned out of youth pastoring together. And then we began traveling as representatives of my grandparents for Kenneth Copeland Ministries, going to minister in other churches. We were on their staff for a while, but laying in bed on the night before Thanksgiving, 2009, the room was dark and she and I are just laying there, staring up at the ceiling and we just started talking. And the only way I know to describe it is At one point in the conversation, it quit being Sarah talking to Jeremy and it began being Jesus speaking to me through her. And then I would open my mouth and it was Jesus speaking to her through me. Husbands, wives, we got to have these moments and we have to have the, the spiritual wherewithal to recognize this is Jesus talking to me now. My wife is opening her mouth and words are coming out of her mouth, but these are coming out of the heart of God. This is Jesus speaking to me through her or Jesus speaking three, through me to her. And that's what was happening that night in the room. And we just started dreaming out loud. And we started talking about things. I wasn't even quite sure I was allowed to think about. I mean, I'd been serving my family. And to be quite honest with you, that's kind of what I thought I was gonna do for a long time, at least the foreseeable future. I had no thoughts about stepping out or doing something on our own. But this conversation, it wasn't born out of any kind of frustration. It wasn't born out of any kind of discontentment. It was just Sarah and I talking to each other and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins speaking through us and we start dreaming. We start dreaming about the future that place we'd never been before. And without realizing it, we were not looking at the place we were, we were looking from the place we were and started seeing things out in front of us. And we started talking about having our own, our own ministry our own people, people to, to do life with and serve God with. We started talking about having land, a lot of land, maybe up in the mountains or something like that and having a place almost like a ranch where we could bring people in and minister to ministers and help them get refreshed and strengthened and pour the word into people. And this this vision just starts coming out of us and, and it got real and it got more real and it got more real and by September September of 2010, earlier that year, she and I had gone to my grandparents and we said, the Lord's talking to us about stepping out into our own ministry. We submit this to you guys, pray over this with us. They said, this is good. This is God. They prayed over it with us. And by September of that year, we took our first step into Pearson's Ministries International. And uh, Justice, our firstborn, he was about three months old at the time. So that's what you do, right? You have a baby, quit your job. (laughs) makes, makes great sense. And, uh, we took that step. September 1st, 2010, we stepped into our own ministry and that, that vision would come back up every now and then that desire to be up in the mountains or something like that and have a place of our own. And we were just working out of our house at the time and our entire staff, one person, she worked out of her house and then the Lord would add to us uh, people here and there over the next several years. And, and um, there was a time shortly before Jesse, our daughter, was born six, seven years ago uh, that we thought we were getting really close to making that step, making that move. As a matter of fact, we had gone back and forth to Colorado. I don't know how many times. I'd say half a dozen times or so in 2000, 2009, 2010, 2011, We thought it was coming, man. I mean, we were going up, we were looking at places, we were looking at land, we were looking at houses, we were looking at property. And one of the last times we were up there after looking at something we really liked, we got back to the house that night and uh, Sarah said, I feel like the Lord's saying, go home. It's not time. And I knew she was right. Go home, continue to get the ministry established and almost like we'll talk about this later. So we did. Just before Jesse was born in 2013, we just went home, moved into a house. The ministry began to grow. The Lord's helping us. Um, a couple of years later, we found a building there just outside of Fort Worth where we, we paid for that. The Lord enabled us to pay cash for that. It was just a warehouse, just an empty warehouse. and. Sarah designed this beautiful office in this loft style place. And we began shooting our television broadcast there and launched that and just, just doing what the Lord had, we believed he instructed us to do. And um, this, this desire, this glimpse of the future was just, it come around every now and then, but honestly, it just wasn't something we were pursuing so much anymore. We thought, well, maybe we'll have a place there someday. Fort Worth will be our home. And just towards the end of last year, we were here in Branson for the week of increase meeting and jump in here, baby, anytime you want to. Uh, We were getting ready at Sarah's mom and dad's house one night before service. And I want you to come. I want you to come tell this part. How the Lord did it? Can I say right here?
1: Yes. Okay, please. We were getting ready for church that night, and um, I heard the Lord speak to me really clearly on the inside of my heart. I heard after church they're going to sit you by Miss Moore uh, for dinner, with the ministers, and whatever she says to you is very important. <laughs> I thought, well, that is very out of the ordinary. I wasn't expecting it. And that's how usually I know it's God when it's I'm not expecting it. So um, we went to the dinner that night. sure enough, we walk up and sat us right by Miss Moore. And um, of course, she always is going to be completely led by the Holy Ghost and tell you exactly what you need to hear. <laughs> and um, so that night we just sat there and uh, she we talked about some things and then, I don't know, it just came out of my spirit to ask her. It felt like out of nowhere. Um, She may have thought it was pretty random, but I guess it was burning in my heart. For about three months earlier, I could not stop thinking about pastoring. And um, I kept sensing every time we'd get up to teach a different anointing. And um, I'm probably going to cry about it because it's really special. They're getting the tissues ready, yeah. <laughs> um, I can't really explain it, but it is just so special and so different than anything. Um, and man, when you love the anointing, you love the anointing. <laughs> and you, when it comes on you, and you can recognize it, you recognize it when it, you recognize when it changes. Um, it's just a special, special, wonderful, honorable, reverent thing. And I started to experience it differently. And, um, so I just asked her that night, I said, do you see us pastoring? And uh, as as quick as I said it, she said, yes. (laughs) And, um, you know, years ago, years before that, I'd always had this dream of having the church, having a church and, um, I think the cry of my heart was always Psalm 63, like David, where he said, I'm holding it together up here, guys. (laughs) Where he said, I have looked for you in your sanctuary to see your power and your glory. And I'm telling you, since I was a little girl, I have loved the presence of the Lord and his anointing like nothing else. I look back and I think about, I mean, my parents had me in church every single service. We didn't miss church for anything. And I remember being a little girl and there were services going on night after night. Maybe our church was having a revival or there's having these times in the presence of the Lord. I remember falling asleep under the pews. I remember the the songs that were sung. I remember the presence singing songs like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. And the presence of God filling up the room. Songs like that over and over and just falling in love with the anointing. And, uh, it was, there was something about being in church to me that nothing else could ever satisfy like it. And I have just felt like for years and years and years that that church was coming and, um, I was hungry for it. And I, I um, oh, when I asked her, she confirmed it and, she said, it, it's time. You guys need to get on with it. You need to go find it and you need to get after it. So we went
0: home and we went back into prayer over it. I told her, <laughs> I said, you know, we prayed about going somewhere else. Cause she said, you need to get out there and find where it is. And I said, we prayed for years about going somewhere else and just don't think there, there is anything. She said, well, pray again. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Yes, ma'am. And that was the best advice we'd been given. Pray again. And we did.
1: I think when we got home, we realized we think that we're looking in the wrong place, maybe even the wrong state. We thought maybe we could do it where we were, but we couldn't get a witness on it for, for a very long time. So the only state that kept coming back to our heart when we'd pray was where we had searched and we had dreamed of being for years and years and years. Yeah. And that was Colorado.
0: Yeah. And when Sarah and I launched into the ministry of our own, the Lord really built it on one word and it was the word legacy. When you look that up and study out what it means, it it really just means something from one generation to another. And we have sensed a call and an assignment and a responsibility for as long as we've been married and as long as we've been in ministry to take what we've been given and minister to our generation with it, serve our generation with the word of God and teach them how to live by faith. And every generation serves as a bridge from the one before to the one that's coming. And we're, we've determined that this, this message, if you want to call it that, this, uh, revelation of living and walking by faith, as long as, As long as she and I are in ministry, I don't care if nobody else is preaching it, we will. And I know there will be people all over the world preaching it, but we've made the determination that this, this is the legacy. It's the one we've been given and it's the one that we will leave. It's the one that we will give to the generations coming after us. This, what, what it means to live and to walk by faith. That's why when we started our own ministry, a few years later, we started, uh, creating the legacy letter. We're doing a a magazine with articles that we're sending out. And there's thousands of people that are getting that sometime after that, we launched the legacy television broadcast because this concept of living this faith legacy is so big and so rich and so strong inside of us. It's who we are. And I've made the determined purpose. I am going to be a branch on the tree that gave me life. You realize you can't duct tape a, a branch to another tree and expect it to produce anything, right? It won't work. You gotta remain a branch on the tree that gave you life. And this, this message of faith is what gave us both life and is what's given people life all over the world. And that's who we are, that's what we are. And that's this whole idea and concept behind legacy.
1: So we went away to pray and we went up to Colorado and Miss Moore said, just start visiting towns and cities, like come up to your heart and then see what you get a witness on. So we just went up, we started um, in Denver and we went all the way down and around and um, just visiting cities all along the way. And um, I wouldn't say while we got, while we were there, we knew right away, but we went to our hotel room and we just began to pray. And I think the most amazing thing was we didn't find the building right away, but we did get from... God the heart of the church in the ministry, and that's what he was thinking of first. Yeah. And um, so uh, we heard in our heart that it was supposed to be Legacy Church, and we were supposed to teach people how to raise a family in the house of faith. And um, um, he gave us a scripture while we were there, and it, and it was the first time we had seen why the church was so important to what he had called us to do. And it's in it's in Ephesians chapter three. And of course, we all know now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. We had never seen the next scripture in such uh, with such uh, detail that we saw it this night. It says to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And we realized that the, only, the way that we could give Jesus the most glory was in the church. And so we knew that we were supposed to have Legacy Church.
0: And uh, the Lord really set us up just just after we were here in October and we had that meal with Ms. Phyllis, we went home and started praying about it. And I'm telling you days, just just a couple of weeks after that, some friends of ours came to visit and shoot some television broadcasts with us. They're in ministry and they're from Colorado Springs. And uh, we were just sitting there talking and he starts telling me about this building that's for sale up there. And it was uh, owned by another ministry and it had a sanctuary and a TV studio and a lot of offices. and honestly, at that point, I, that point, I don't know that we were really thinking about going that way, but it, it got in my heart a little bit. So we went and visited that building after the Lord started directing us in that direction. And and it, it seemed like maybe it could work. And and Sarah would ask me, do you feel like this is our building? Is the Lord saying this is ours? And I'd say, you know what? I, I don't know. I can say that I, I have it in my heart just to see it through. Just walk it out and see where it goes. And so we did, we went and visited it a couple times. It was a big building, man. Big building on a little bit of acreage right down in the city, kind of surrounded by other buildings and stuff. But you know what, we got to the end of it and it just didn't seem all the way right. And so we made the decision, we're gonna walk away from that. And we, we won't rule it out, but we won't wait around. And so we, we put that on the shelf and she and I, we made this decision when we kind of had to rule that out. And it seemed like we were starting over. This was back in February of this year. We said, we're going to sit down in this living room. We pulled two chairs up by the fire. It was cold and we sat down and we stayed in those chairs for three days. Now, you know, we got up and down, but for the most part, <laughs> we stayed right there next to that fire with our Bibles and we prayed and we talked and we praised and we worshiped. Until we felt like we began hearing from the Lord about the next step. And I had, I had seen something online a few days before that uh, that didn't really stand out to me too much. But then when we were sitting there praying, I felt like, well, I'm going to show it to Sarah, see what she thinks about it. I said, you know, I saw this the other day. I don't really think it's much of anything. I showed it to her, read the description to her. She got so excited about it. When she got excited, I got excited. I thought, wait a second, she's right. This is something. And we started looking at it and this was a place on the listing. Check this out. 71 acres right on the highway. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? 71 acres right on the highway. And on that acreage was a 30,000 square foot facility. Uh, just about 15 minutes outside of Colorado Springs. If you're familiar with the area, it's just about another eight or 10 minutes or so to Woodland Park, Colorado, right there on highway 24. And this property's right there on that highway with the acreage, the big building, uh, that's got, uh, room for offices and children's church and, and a big gymnasium we can convert to a sanctuary. In addition to that is nine cabins that, goes all the way back to laying in bed 10 years ago, going, I wish we had a place where we could bring people in and minister to them and bring their families in and bring their staff and their team and this vision that the Lord had created over these years. And I'm telling you, the spirit of God got so big in us about it. We got so excited. Uh, We had just located a real estate agent a couple of days before that, called her and said, hey, would you go check this out? She called us back, she called Sarah and she said, this place is a gold mine and they're not asking the right price for it is what she said. She said, it's worth a lot more than what they're asking.
1: And it we, was one of the last commercial buildings left in the mountains. And um, also some of the it, land is very scarce there. We negotiated two more 80 acre parcels 40. and, oh, sorry, 40 acre parc- parcels into it that that backs up to thousands of acres of national forest. So we're completely landlocked and no one can get on our property. I mean, it's, it's going to be a, a really
0: secure, awesome. So it's 151 total acres. It's in the mountains on the highway. (laughs) If you can imagine that. And man, we got excited about it when we saw it. And this was just looking at it online. So we, we talked to the Lord about it and it seemed peaceful, put in an offer. We'd never been there, we never looked at it, but we put in an offer and uh, we made our way up there. We were ministering in the area just a few weeks later, a week or so later. And while we are up there, we went and looked at it. It seemed really good to us. And um, all that to say, they have accepted our offer. And right now we have under contract, 151 acres, a 30,000 square foot facility, nine cabins, and things are moving along. Now, it's not all done all the way yet, but things are moving along very nicely. And I thought you might like to see it. And so guys, I'm sorry, I should have told you a moment ago, if you wouldn't mind bringing that screen down for us, we want to give you a little bit of a tour of what we believe the Lord is doing. And I'll say this to you while this is coming down. All those years ago, When we were up there in Colorado and we're looking, we're looking, we're looking. One night we were praying and the Lord said, there are 10 things you need to know about your property. And if you'll get them from me now, you'll recognize it when you see it. Does that make sense to you? In other words, let a vision from God paint a picture of what the future is so that when you get there, you already recognize it. And the first thing, I won't take you through all 10 of those things, but the first thing he said is that everyone who steps onto this property will look up, will look up. And for so long, I thought, you know, while we're buying land or building there in Fort Worth, I thought, well, maybe he means like in your heart, you know, just look up, get some vision in your heart. Nope. (laughs) He means look up. I lift up my eyes to the mountains where my help comes from. There's a number of things he said to us in that list. And, uh, but that one has always stood out. It will cause everybody who steps on it to look up.
1: I think the one thing too, that we've learned over the years is what it really means to that. the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. And we realize that we are Um, Well, I'll just say this way. Years and years ago, we asked Mimi and Papa Copeland, we said, um, how did you get from where you were? How do we get from where we are to where we want to be? And Mimi just chimed up and she said, just keep walking. And at first we were like, really, that's all you have for us? But then, but then we realized, wait, this is really true, and this is really God. You just walk by faith and you keep on walking. Yeah. And we saw this vision 10 years ago, and we wanted it then. But what did we need to do in the meantime? Just keep walking. Yeah. And I think about in Galatians where it talks about um, do not be deceived, do, uh, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. And then it keeps on going down and it says, do not be weary. Do not get weary. Because if you don't faint, if you don't quit, you, <laughs> you will reap it. And then it tells you what to do in the meantime. What does it say? Do good. Do good to the household of faith. So you know what? We just said, we're going to do that. We're going to keep sowing, We're going to keep standing. We're going to keep walking. You know, we had a chance to do good to the household of faith. We're going to keep going and preaching and ministering and teaching and blessing and giving. And that's what we did in the meantime. And now it's just so awesome to see how faithful God has been. And I keep having this come up in my heart over and over. That faith in God will give you a story that will give him glory. And I'm so thankful that we are having this awesome story and this testimony and um, it's going to give God a lot of glory. We're excited to see all the people that are going to be a part and be blessed
0: by this church. It's exactly what Sarah read in Ephesians three, to him be glory in the church. And the Lord has had us plugged into this church for so long now and I've known why for a long time, but see it more clearly now that there were things we needed to get here and needed to see. And I imagine that if you ever visit our church, it'll, it may remind you a lot of (laughs) of home. And we're going to do some of the same things. There will be test There will be testimonies week in, week out. I think we're going to call them glory stories. We are going to give anything that gives God glory. We're going to tell the story. And I want you to watch this video, but let me give you the the heart and the mission of this church. At the heart of Legacy Church is the unyielding conviction that Jesus was, is, and will always be the answer because he is Jesus for every generation. This local church with a global call will serve as a platform from which we reach the nations and serve our generation with the word of God, teaching them how to walk by faith how to experience whole life prosperity and how to raise a family in the household of faith. That's the assignment on this church and on this ministry. I want you to watch this and then we'll tell you just briefly about the, the vision and where we're going to go from here. Watch this. That's where we are right now. You can tell the property needs some loving. It needs some work, but we're excited about that. Uh, we've had great examples. Of folks that aren't afraid to take a building and turn, and turn it into what it needs to be, and so we're excited about the things that are ahead of us. Uh, the building itself is a 30,000 square foot facility. Now stop me if this sounds familiar, but we're claiming <laughs> we're claiming $100 dollars a square foot, and we believe that at hundred dollars a square foot, we can buy that place and build it up and get church started and The timeline that we're on right now, our kids get out of school towards the end of May. So that's in about uh, (laughs) not real long from now. And we're going to start heading that way. And then what we're aiming at is the fall of this year to begin services at Legacy Church. And uh, again, we're believing God to get this thing bought up and built out. And a year ago or more, the Lord spoke those words to us. I want you to buy up and build out. And at the time we were there in Fort Worth on our property. I I thought it was all about this other building we have on property. There we're going to buy that building, going to build out a studio in it. And we started that project and our partners responded. God was faithful, brought the money in. Then at the beginning of this year, all this comes up. And I'm like, Lord, hold on. I thought we were doing this other thing. And, and that's when he began talking to me about course corrections. And a course correction is a correction that you make while in progress. And we've been taught that here. It's important to start. You gotta take that first step, but it's just as important to be willing to do, to change and, and be corrected in your course along the way. And that's what this is. It's the same assignment. It's the same mission. It's just in a different spot. And I cannot tell you how this word keeps coming to me, overwhelmed, and I don't use that word much, but overwhelmed we are that brother Keith, you and Ms. Phyllis, with everything that's going on here, everything your faith is set on, everything you guys are believing God for, that you would open up this platform and this pulpit and give us opportunity to say, "Here's what God's doing in our life." Sarah said it. She said, "That's kingdom. That's kingdom. That's how the kingdom works." When you're not so focused on your own thing, that you don't uh, open your eyes to what's going on in the family, and that touches us, that blesses us. We are so encouraged by it and thank you for giving us time tonight. And, uh, and I, the reason I took time to minister the word to you at the beginning is because you've heard it. I don't know how many times what he's done for others. What else? He's doing for me and greater things than these shall we see and all the glory will be to our good God. And Sarah and I have been in this congregation. She from the before the time we got married, me right after. And I don't know how many times we have said we're getting our buildings, our lands, our houses, our vehicles, our equipment. It's just a thing we say around the house. It's one of the first things our kids said when they started talking. (laughs) Justice used to say we're getting our buildings, our land, our beagles. (laughs) They claim it, buddy. But we've been saying it and now we're seeing it and we're believing God for the same thing to happen in the lives of this congregation, this church. We're believing God for your glory story, your testimony. And we thank God for the good things that He's begun in us. We call Him faithful to finish it. Amen.
1: Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television Broadcast, the Legacy Letter Magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House
0: of Faith.